Welcome to the Project In Between podcast, an open and safe place where we are sharing stories of healing from emotional and stressful events. After any form of emotional trauma, there is an in-between phase, a healing phase. The in-between phase, this is where uncertainty meets growth and renewal. We all heal from these situations at different rates. What matters is the stories we resonate with, the lessons we have gained, and the experience that has made us a better person. So today we've got Adam. Adam is the creator of the All In System. He's a father, a businessman, whose story, and businessman, I should say, whose story took an unexpected detour when mental illness came knocking. As his world started to crumble around him, desperate for answers, he began creating a system that helped him to rebuild and create balance. Adam now dedicates himself to coaching men to attain balance and success and has also written a book called Warrior, Biting Back Against the Black Dog. So welcome and thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit a little bit more about yourself. Um, where did you grow up or where are you living at the moment? Um, yeah, just a little bit of a background. Um, I was born in, West, in Western Sydney, um, lived there for a quite a few years of my childhood and moved up to the New South Wales mid-north coast, um, a place called Foster Tuncurry. Absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, it was the best for me. It was everything about that place. I really enjoyed and loved it. Um, I then moved back to Sydney to go to uni and all, do all that type of thing um, and then moved up to the central coast uh, a couple of years thereafter that. Um, and I've pretty well been on the central coast of New South Wales in the Terrigal area ever since that, other than two or three years when I was back in Sydney. So currently living on the New South Wales central coast. Um, yeah, life has been very different, very unexpected, but it's been one hell of a ride so far. <laughs> Yeah, good old life, hey? Throwing curveballs at you and um, and seeing how, how well you can uh, adjust to those curveballs. Very much so, very much so. Um, you know, it comes around and bites you on the bum when you least expect it and um, can turn your world upside down. But the thing that I've noticed most about when that happens is it's probably a good thing for you because it's um, it helps you to realise that you're bigger better than what you're currently doing um, and, and that's a hard lesson to swallow trust me but um, it's and as we'll get into all this we'll, yeah, we'll discuss that but yeah it's certainly a hard lesson but certainly at the end of the day you come out the other side a different person definitely so all right so yeah tell us a little bit about your um, in-between story obviously I, I already have some ideas so yeah yeah um, bit of a back I've um, I'm a coach, as you mentioned in the thing, and basically all I do is now coach men who are struggling in some way. Some have got mental illness, some don't. But generally men who've got responsibility at home and work just to get some balance, well-being, and obviously success. Um, prior to that, I was in business, financial services, and real estate. Um, but left that because I always felt coaching was what I should be doing. Um now the coaching is more of a niche market in, in, in that area. We're working with men, and that's purely as a result of the crap that I went through called mental illness, which is I had I was diagnosed with complex PTSD um, as a result of trauma I suffered in the past. Um, I lived in denial for a long time. I thought I could control it. I did not know what it was. I had no idea what it was. Um, 
All I knew is that in the heart region just here, there was a blackness that just lived there and it just seemed to it just seemed to grow and feed on me. Didn't know what it was. I knew it was there. Look, I'm going to be honest. I'm, you know, I can be an asshole. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. Yeah, I've got a bad temper and all that. But it, that's the, the blackness seemed to feed that, and I didn't understand why. Um, it wasn't until much, much later, like years later, that I found out what it was. Um, so for me, the in-between moment, there were actually two. The first one was um, after I'd sold my financial services businesses and everything else else I was doing, I um, went into coaching um, and I basically wanted to save the world. (laughs) Uh, And I did it for the wrong reason um, because at the time I was doing it because I felt if I could save other people, I could somehow heal myself. Biggest load of crap. You can't do it. it. You just can't. Um, so that's why I went in it. Um, I was also, let's call it, I was betrayed by some people who I was working with at the time. The business went south. I lost well over a million bucks in physical cash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my world started collapsing at that, at that moment uh, because I was working my butt off, doing everything I can to make this, the business work. Um, and yes, I help people, don't get me wrong, but the two things that wasn't happening is I wasn't healing myself. And because of that, everything just seemed to snowball and I became a jerk. Um, I started, I was far more argumentative. I was far more domineering with people. My, my fuse just was very, very short wick. Um, I was always looking for someone to tick me off so I could escalate things. Um, yeah, it, and that was the, the, the catalyst because I knew the hardship, especially at home, um, kids um, and everything I was doing at home, they didn't like who I was. The, I was the biggest jerk on the planet. Um, my kids were arguing with me. And they were, you know, didn't like me. Um, and that's purely because of who I was. It wasn't their fault. They were just feeding off me and they were looking at me and saying, I don't like this person you're becoming. And so they were telling me in their way, which was you know, what they were doing. And the, the missus at the time, she was the same. Um, and they were, she was trying to manage everything. And, you know, thank God that she was able to. But I could see the pain I was causing in their eyes. I could see it. I could feel it. I thought, you know what? I need to do something about this. So... What I did is, is started just creating some daily actions just to help me start managing myself better um, and then trying to start fixing the carnage I was causing at home and, and, and elsewhere in my business and everything. Um, so the, the first part of that process, um, I created what was called, I call it now within the all-in system, I call it the integrity model. It basically forced me to get real with myself, um, look at the underlying issues, look at what was you know, what the, I was doing, the pain I was causing, and just to realise that, you know what, it's on me. I, I'm totally responsible for this. And, you know, the, there were six questions initially. Those six questions took a lot of introspection, and that's the biggest thing I've learned is you've got to go deep. And I just, the early part, I was shallow, and I thought, this is not working. I've got to go deep. So I just made the decision at that point I was going to dissect my life in full. Um, and 
all up the system I created, which is all now all, it took me over two years to put well over two years to put together. But the foundation of that became the integrity model and the system grew from that. So purely created to stop the carnage I was causing, tried to fix the relationships, um, the mess I was causing. And my kids didn't want to be around me. It, you know, it, people could see that I was a, was a nice person and I didn't understand what was going on. That led me to seek treatment with a psychologist, um, Dr. Paul Williams. He saved my life, no doubt. <laughs> Um, the second um, part to that, which I call is actually my darkest hour, um, I was literally at rock bottom. Um, well, sorry. You're all right, no. The rock moment, sorry, the rock bottom moment came when, even though I was trying to fix myself, I wasn't dealing with yeah. Oh. It's okay. You're in a you're in a safe space. So. Um. I won't get into the details. It's in the book. But I won't yeah. get into the details. But basically, I made my decision that I was going to hurt another person, like seriously damage them. Um. I used to train. I still train. And yeah. Um. I remember the incident clearly. I remember everything about it. Um, and luckily, I, you know, as a result of that, that was my absolute lowest of low points. And I made the decision at that point that I was broken. Oh, sorry. It's okay. It's fine. Um, at that moment, um, I remember pulling over and I started physically shaking. And I thought something's wrong and I said, I'm broken. I just knew it. And I, 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 called, <laughs> I called my psychologist. I said, and I said it was just, it's, 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 it's incredible how fate kind of works. Because um, I rang and I spoke to the reception. I said, I need to speak to Paul urgently. He was at the desk just finishing with a client. It was just one of those things. So she said, yeah, and he took the call and I said, I told him what had just happened. I said, he said, get here fast. We chatted and I agreed. Actually, no, I made it. I said to Paul, I need to go into a mental health facility. I need to do something. Um, he agreed, he expedited the process. And within a week or two, I can't remember the exact timing, I was in there. Um, that was the hard. That was... The low point was knowing that you were broken. Yeah, that was tough. Well, still, after it was, it was 2017, so almost four years ago now. So it's, yeah, still quite emotional. It's still uh, very raw, obviously. I can see it's still very raw and real. I've spoken about it to Paul and to, I've spoken about this to a few people. Um, I'm very careful I speak to about it. The first few people I spoke to about it were friends. They shunned me and, to the, and the relationship has essentially fallen apart. And that's why yeah, it is what it is. And I, and I kind of get it because people with mental illness, there is a stigma. I get that. Um, so it was quite, I, I'm quite cautious who I speak to about this. Um, and generally I've been fine when I've spoken about it because I thought, but yeah, for some reason this morning, yeah, it's just caught me off guard. So 
that's like, that's totally fine. Like um, like it's it is it is very very hard to tell a story of um, you know, where you have been at, a, at your darkest moments. And I I want you to understand that you know everybody struggles. I think no. I don't know I don't know where this notion of um, you know, that people just walk through life in in happy land and you know it just it doesn't exist adam it just does not exist and i remember i said to a friend last year um i said you know we weren't put on this earth to suffer um but we do but we do suffer and we did we don't come into this world programmed to suffer um but we do experience everybody experiences dark times everyone and and if somebody says that they don't they're bloody lying as far as as far as I'm concerned, they're lying. Everybody goes through difficult times. And and obviously the particular situation that happened for you, like that was that would have been really super intense. Yeah, it was. It um I mean I still get through it, I still see it. Um yeah. Thankfully, it turned out the way it did, I'll be honest. Um, and checking myself into that mental health facility was at the end of the day, the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle, that sorry, the second last piece of the jigsaw puzzle, because once I was in there, you, know, you go through sessions, you get see psychiatrists, all that type of stuff. And I, and I remember there was a group, uh, you always had group therapy sessions as part of that. And one after one of the sessions, I was speaking to the facilitator there and we were discussing you know, my diagnosis. And, and at the time, they thought it was bipolar. And I'm thinking it's not bipolar. It's not, but and they prescribe medication. And this is going to be. I'm taking this on a tangent because they prescribe medication, and that was the worst thing they do. It was, I'm not going to name the medication, but it's um, sodium valproate. Vol, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, that had a bad effect because I actually started spiraling downhill fast. Um, it was um, I became far more aggressive, far more reckless. Um, they couldn't understand why, and um, it was at that moment. Um, and, and that's actually one of the side effects. Um, and yeah, it's actually one of the side effects. And because they prescribed the wrong thing, thinking it was bipolar, because they thought, well, if this thing works, it'll stabilize your mood. It was the complete opposite for me. Um, and um, yeah, I started heading down more hill fast. And so with this next part, which we'll come to later, I'm certain. Um, and I ended up getting off the, the, the medication and I was talking to the mental health facilitator and we just discussing my treatment and everything that was happening. And she started asking me a whole heap of questions. And then it was interesting because because I'd, I'd still I'd been working with Paul Williams for a couple of years. And I don't ever recall mentioning to him the blackness in that reason. I may have, but I never, I just don't recall it. But he always knew and suspected PTSD. I never mentioned, recall mentioning, as I said, the blackness, but I mentioned it to her. Her name was Debbie. And she looked at me and she, then she went, asked me a whole heap of other questions. And she said, you've got PTSD. And I said to her, hang on, that's only for people who go to war. And she goes, darling, you've been at war. I thought, so, yeah, that was, I, I opened up because things all of a sudden started making sense. And then um, I ended up doing EMDR therapy uh, with Paul. 
totally changed. That that was the the MDR was the final piece of the puzzle for me because it helped me to heal at a much faster rate. Um, but a lot of the stuff I'd been holding in uses I yeah as you may be aware that uses I movements to uh, process um, the memory and the trauma in a different way. Stores it in the brain. Um, separately so you can move past it a lot easier and it's less triggering so emdr um saved my life well poor but yeah that was that part of the process was i guess it, as i said things happen for a reason mm. and if it wasn't for that i mean you know, going through taking the wrong medication and speaking to you know the mental health facility at the clinic i probably wouldn't have had emdr so it's, it's how things just come together yeah and it saved my life um, yeah, it's it's interesting because I have um, had a few people, well, I've had a few friends recently um, go through domestic violence. Um, and there are, with domestic violence, there is a, um, there's a trajectory and, and there's also an emotional component, component to it. Um, you know, very subtle, there can be subtle, um, you know, types of things. And and I remember one of the one of the people said to me, um, I oh, and I know this sounds really awful and could be a little bit triggering, but she said, I kind of wished he had have just hit me because at least then somebody would have seen it, you know, seen the pain. And um, it's kind of like it's it's such a it's it's a, there's a such an in between even with that, you know, PTSD in our minds. You think, well, it's just for soldiers and. Um, and well, in fact, it's not. It's actually, you know, there's a thing called it's there's childhood complex childhood PTSD, and you know there are and specific. And I think, yeah, it's probably. And what you're doing also is breaking the stigma around PTSD, and that it doesn't just affect um, soldiers. It, it it affects people, no. um, and you know, it can often come from childhood, and then gets you know, and then your life then re-triggers specific unhealed things very um, much so yeah, yeah and it was and which is the second the next part of the equation was for me is even though i'd gone through emdr I, you know i was better i you know the blackness came out and i describe all that um in the book obviously but i still had lots of questions and it wasn't until i read a book um dr peter levine he's one of the world's leading authorities on trauma he wrote a book, um, Waking the Tiger, uh, Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma. And in that book, he says, trauma is frozen energy in your central nervous system. It needs a way out. And because you haven't processed it properly, it gets stuck within your body and it leads to anxiety, depression, mood and behavioral problems. And, and sometimes it can lay dormant for years, which for me, in many instances, it was. And it wasn't until the failure of that initial part of the coaching that business that's when all of a sudden it opened the floodgates and the, uh, and the torrent of rage that followed was specifically as a result of that and once I understood that it's like ah that's why and it just all the boxes started ticking and as you read and as I read through that book it's like that's exactly what was happening to me that's exactly so tick 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 so with that came closure uh, because now even up until now, I thought I'd had closure. I, um, I thought I'd done everything to uh, to move forward, but there was still a lot of unanswered questions. But Peter's book um, really helped 
solidify and answer many of the questions I still had. And, it, and it's definitely worth definitely worth it um, getting a copy of that and reading it. Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma. Mm. Awesome book. Any of Peter Stuck's really good so far. I feel like um, when you do go through like specific traumas or, you know, anything, anything that's unhealed within, uh, I call it, there's a book called The Body Holds the Score. And uh, basically what your mind thinks, uh, your voice is said to speak, but what you don't speak then gets stored in your body as um, unhealed trauma um, or unhealed expressed emotion. And and we, as humans, we are meant to express our emotions and there is a gamut of emotions. You know, there's sadness, there's happiness, there's anger. They're all very, very normal emotions to feel. And I think from... This is what I, it seems to be a common thread is that as kids, we're all taught, or maybe it's a generational thing, I don't know, you know, um, we're all taught to, you know, if you fall down, just get back up and don't cry about it. Or um, basically not to feel your emotions because it can feel uncomfortable to see somebody emotional or whatever. Not only that, there are some people. I'm not going to give you details, but you're actually punished for showing your emotions as well. Yes, that's right. And then so therefore you then repress uh, your emotions and then you come into adulthood. Um, The first 10 years of your life is where all of the solid foundations are made. Um, And if as children we are taught not to express our emotions or that our emotions aren't valid or worthy or, you know, we then think we're unlovable, we're not enough, we're not worthy of love and all of this other bullshit and then excuse my language <laughs> and then as oh, adults and then as adults we 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 go through you know life takes hold like obviously with your business um life gave you a real kick in the ass and maybe it was a universal push for you to deal with the unexpressed emotion and now that i think about it and the more i reflect on it that's exactly and i know why the when I first got into the coaching is, as I said, I was doing it to, yes, I wanted to help people. That goes without saying. I think people who've suffered trauma or PTSD, they want, to, they want to help people. But for me, I thought by helping others, I could heal myself and I wasn't dealing with my crap. It's as simple as that. So it wasn't until I got real with that, and that's you know, getting real is the first part of the system and everything, is I understood that that's what needed to happen I dealt that and now you come, because I now come from a place of knowing, <laughs> I mean, I've walked it. Um, I, I was literally at the point of no return. I was there, you know, ready to say goodbye to everyone. Um, you kind of come back and you realise that at the end of the day, the crap you went through leads you to better places, provided you deal with the crap that you went through. If you don't, you're going to keep... it's you're going to be like a ship without a rudder or without a sail being tossed around by the storms of life. Um, And that's exactly what was happening to me. Yeah. And if you're not given the adequate tools um, as an adult to deal with that stuff, then what, like, as you said, you know, the anger and all that sort of stuff and, it's because you were you you clearly weren't given the, the the right tools. Not that it's and I'm a big on self responsibility. You know, it's not so oh, much. No. It's not about blame or any of that stuff. It's just you know it is what it is. You just weren't given those particular tools to manage those emotions. 
And the, the addition to that is even now the tools aren't there. Um, and that's why I do what I do. I've decided to you know, head down this path of working with, with men is because the tools still aren't there um, from what I can see. Um, I mean, men are still holding it in. I mean, men are three times more likely to take their lives than women. You, men in the age between 45 and 49 are the biggest group of men who are going to take their lives. So it's something looks like a duck, walks like a duck and goes quack, quack. It's a duck, but for, for whatever reason, and I think, and I'm coming from a universal, because uh, I believe that the healing needs to be holistic. Um, medications certainly have their place. And I'm a big advocate. If you need medication, great. But with my case, they went straight to medication. It's like, well, hang on, that's not the issue. Um, so you need, it needs to be an all encompassing approach. And I still think that that's not there. Um, and when you know, working with men, you kind of look at them and it's like, well, no, guys, no, you, we've got to get to the real heart of the issue here. And that's what I want to get to um, when I'm working and coaching with them. It's like, we can fix your relationships. We can fix your health. We can fix you know, your marriages, your relationships. That's easy, provided you, you fix yourself first because yep. you can't give out what you is clearly lacking. And that was my issue. So when I'm, for me, it's, it's important when I'm speaking to someone, it's like I need to make certain that they're, on, they're willing to get real with themselves and it's going to be raw. And they need to get to that place because that's when the healing, you open the door to healing and that's when you can lay the foundations to then start fixing your, your, the key areas of your life that need until you get to that. You're just going to keep, it's like the hamster on the hamster wheel. It's just going to keep the same old, same old, same old. So you need to be able to you know, get to that point of finally accepting, you know what, hey, for me, it was the darkest moment. I call it my darkest hour. You've got to get to that place. You've got to get to your darkest hour because that's when you realise that, hey, you know, I need help. Mm. It's like the alcoholic. Until they admit they've got a problem, they will never quit drinking. Yeah. It's, uh, it's being scared of the darkness. I think it's what stops a lot of people because it's, it can be painful. But I think it's really important for everybody to understand that the darkness doesn't have to stick around. And it does. You, you, you do have to face it, but it, yep. it, it doesn't stay. And as I 100% agree with you in the fact that it has to be holistic. It's not, you know, I worked clinically as a nurse for, you know, 10 years and, part of the reason why I started this podcast was because I would see people continuously coming back in and I'd just be like, Oh, you know, this is what's going, there's something, something's just not right. Like, is this, is the system broken or, and I feel like, yes, medication definitely has its role. And, um, you know, the health system is as a, as a general, it all, it all, it all plays a part, but it's got to be holistic because it's about facing, as you say, going within and stop going out and trying to heal everybody else and, you know, chase other people's dramas, go within, deal with your own shit first, and then you can help everybody else. And the beauty about embracing the darkness is when you're in it, yeah, you're absolutely scared, you're petrified, a whole range of emotions, you, you feel a lot and it's really intense, but there's also light there. Mm. And mm. that's... And you can only experience that light when you're in the depths of the darkness. That's the only way you can do it. So it's like, and, and the biggest thing, and I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but the biggest lesson I've got from all of this is 
no matter what you're going through, there is a power within you greater than any circumstance, any trouble, any mental illness, anything that you've got going on at the moment, there is a power within you greater than that. You just got to learn to trust it. Mm. And that trust builds, builds trust in yourself. You got this. And that's what kept me going. I mean, I was, I got to that point of no return. And there was just this something within me saying, keep going, just keep going. You got this. And that helped turn the whole thing around for me. But yeah, there's definitely that light within you and you can only experience it when you get into the depths of the darkness. That's the only way, because then you defeat it, the darkness. Mm. They call it... de- yeah, sorry, keep going. Sorry, I was going to say, you can't defeat mental illness in the conventional sense. It, you, you live with it all your life. It's as simple as that. That's the reality of it. So my message is very much is accept that because that's when you can get the strategies, and I call it biting back. Every day that you to make the decision to get up out of bed, that you're going to improve your relationships at home, you're going to go out and do, have a great day at work, you know, put in the effort to serve others, whatever you're doing, you're actually biting back. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the, the demons are still there, but you're saying, you know, screw you, pal. I'm better than you. I got you. You can't beat me. Um, and that's what biting back means. And that's what I'm now dedicating and showing men. It's like you will never defeat mental illness. You're always going to live with it. So accept it. It's like, you know, it's like being born with one arm. <laughs> you can't do anything about it. It is what it is, but you can manage it differently. And that's what we're, and that's the message. And that's, you know, Everything that I'm doing and moving forward and dedicating is basically saying to men, yes, you're going to live with it, but, hey, you can beat it. Mm. And every day you get up out of bed, every day that you make a decision to, you know, to take your missus out on a date or take your kids out for a milkshake, any, you're actually biting back at that moment, and that's all that matters. It's, you, can't, it's, you can't eat a three-course meal in one bite, right? It's the little bits one at a time. So just day by day. And there's going to be days you go backwards. Yeah. That's life. But you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, you get back to the integrity model and say, hey, where did I stuff up? You get real with yourself. Let's fix it and let's move forward again. Mm. So that's the underlying message. There is definitely a power within you greater than any circumstance, any difficulty you're going through and greater than mental illness. It's there within you. You just have to acknowledge that and it will guide you and it will help you, absolutely. It sounds like you went through a bit of a dark night of the soul. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah very much so. Um, and it's it's true that the saying that it's dark, the darkness is just bef- you know, before the dawn, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was at that point that I was ready to give up. And Right at the end of the time. Yeah, it was right then that's that was the turning point Mm. so you just I just kept going and that's what you've got to do I think that's really important to yeah to point out that you you don't give up there's got to be I feel like once you go through something like that um like what you've gone through I feel like there's got to be it's almost like where you go through the dark night of the soul and your soul takes over and then becomes your driver your driving because you let go yeah. You realise you can't, you, you, t- you get, it's tiring trying to hold it all together. It, you, you just physically get drained and you're just mentally, emotionally and physically tired. So mm. that's when you let go and that's when you realise, hey, I got this. It just it's, it seems like an oxymoron, but it's actually what happens. You've got to let go in order to move forward. 
Yes, and I guess with PTSD too, because it is such a complex, um, and, 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 and you can't see it. I, I say, I've said this multiple times to people, when you cut yourself, you can see the bleeding and you can also see it, see the wound healing and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. But with PTSD or any form of mental PTSD, any form of mental illness, you can't see that healing going on. Um, but also it can be scary. Like when you do go through a bit of a dark night of the soul, you, you've got to see the things that you, you were repressing, um, but realize that you're not there anymore and that you're safe and that you're, you're in a place of safety now. And yeah. And the most important thing, the most important lesson I got in addition to that power within, I just spoke about is what's your why there's, mm. there's gotta be a reason behind and for me, obviously, it was the family, the kids. That's what, you know, you, you've got to be, they're watching you, they're feeding off you, you be the example. Yes, look, you come out the other side, I can tell you, you, you the dynamics will change. Um, you live with the scars, you live with the consequences, you still got to keep fixing the mess you, you created, and it takes time because, let's be honest, the kids especially, they saw, they sit well they saw me at my worst and they're just like hang on what's this guy up to so they're cautious i get that you just got to be patient but yeah. as you're going through that dark period um and we don't know how long it lasts that's the thing it can, for me it just seemed like an eternity it was why am i doing this yes i wanted to heal myself that was paramount but sometimes you just need to look outside of yourself and look at the faces of your kids or someone else important to you and you realise that's also why and you, and you move forward with that. Okay, so that brings me to the question about relationships. So yep. how did it during and after, so like how have your relationships evolved through that period of time? Okay, as when it was hitting the fan and when I was you know, causing the carnage and the mess the relationship deteriorated quickly um, and it, it it took a long, long time. They just didn't want to be around me. They didn't like me. Um, they're very, to this day, they're cautious, even though you know, we've moved forward, but they're extremely cautious um, because they've lived with it for so long. They, it's like, well, hang on. How do we know, know that this guy's not going to snap again? So be prepared for that. That it's you have to accept but the biggest thing is to be patient um you come out the other side you come out a different person um your relationships are different everything's different you have to get your head around that and then you have to realize that you may say oh, i'm different i'm a nice person now or i'm this or that but they've still got scars they've still got memories you have to remember that and you have to be patient. If you go, I made the mistake. It was like one step forward, two steps back because I was trying too hard and they were just like, yeah, you know. And, and to this day, I still have to tread carefully. I'm still cautious. I still have to be patient and I have to give them space because that in time, I'm hoping that they realise that, yeah, he is because it, it won't fix overnight. It's impossible because you, especially children, they live with that. Mm -hmm. So they see you at your worst. So you come out the other side and you realise that the relationships have certainly changed. What do you need to do to help heal that relationship? So you've got to keep going out of your way and there's going to be times when you realise, 
hey, I'm getting nowhere here. They just don't want to borrow me. It's part of the process. It takes time. Just let the process just keep persisting. If you believe in the relationship, if you, you know, the kids or partner, whoever it is, you love them dearly, just give them the time and they will come around. You don't know when. It's not for you to know when. You just got to keep showing up. Um, so you will, ch- the relationships definitely change as a result of mental illness. Mm. And you will, you, you, you will always live with the scar and consequences of that. And there's shame, there's guilt. You live with that. But you can also live with part of the process is let's start healing it. And, and it, you just got to keep going in, uh, along that road because you don't know how long that road's going to be. Well, no, you don't. And I guess at the end of the day, like, as you said, it's all about patience and surrender, surrendering to and continual daily surrender, surrendering to the fact that, yes, these things happened, but and giving them the space to have their own healing time that, yeah, you can't fix them. Um, You can just love them and show them that that's that you're there for them. And um, they will always come back. I'm a big believer in the people, um, especially with your families and stuff like that, it, they will always find their own peace, you know, um, and, yeah, so it is what it is, isn't it? Did it affect True. your marriage as well? Yes, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, during the whole process, she was holding it together, for, especially with the kids and everything, and she was a great support. You come out the other side, the marriage certainly changes, um, the relationship changes, um, everything as a result of what had happened has changed us um, and you accept that that's just the way it has to be um, and you then say, okay, let's move forward based on that now and that's what you're doing. And, you know, whatever happens between, you know, her and I happens and, but at least I know I'm, you know, coming from a place of healing and, genuinely feeling that I'm much better person than I was um, as a result of it. Um, and I'm happy with that. It's about being kind to yourself as well, you know, realising, oh, yeah. yeah, and just realising that, you know, p- people change, things change, situations change. Um, you know, it's just, it's all about redefining everything. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of the process. You have to navigate that. And, um, you know, whatever happens as a result when you do come out the other side, it's it's part of the process and you, you have to accept it. And then, okay, this is what's happening. What do I need to do to continually show up in that positive way or in that healing way? And from there, you know, whatever happens, you accept it, but you're coming from a place of peace rather than all the within you that won't solve it, that won't help the situation. So that's why I said, deal with yourself. The advice always is deal with your shit. It's as simple as that. Deal with it. Stop ignoring the issues. I did it for a long time and it cost me a lot. So deal with your crap. It's as simple as that. Get the therapy. Um, you know, I, I can't help you with the therapy, but I can help you with so many other things because I've been there. But you've got to get professional. If you need therapy, get it. Trust me. It's worth the pain. It's worth, it's, people talk about, oh, how much is going to cost? Well, look at how much it's actually costing you now. Yeah, it's like and, the pure cost-benefit analysis. Like, I know people don't um, really think of life in that way, but, you know, I've done a commerce degree in economics and all. And because yeah. it it's all cost-benefit analysis. Yeah, it's going to cost you money to go, but, like, what's it going to cost you in the long run? 
<laughs> if you want your kids to hate you, yeah. You want, you know, it's like, well, I didn't want to. That's t- in order for you to make the changes you need to, you have to, and that, and and part of it is, as I talk about the integrity model, is you have to focus on the emotional consequences of not taking action. What will it cost you? Get get real with yourself. What's this going to cost me? And can you live with that? And the answer by and large is always going to be no, I can't live with that. Okay, let's do something about it. So in relation to that, um, support-wise, so obviously there's, we all know with the medical model, there's psychology and um, mental health facilities and medication. Did you seek any other forms of support um, during that time? Because obviously it's a holistic as we've just said, you know, been discussing, the whole thing is holistic. So did you yeah. seek anything else? And I still do. Um, Paul Williams was my biggest support. I mean, he I mean, he would call me when in between sessions, like I could be wherever I was, he'd call me, hey, are you okay? Oh, wow. So he would do that, yeah, because he knew it was literally on an ice edge. So he was a big sort of support. Obviously, you know, what was going on at home and, you know, all that they were trying to you know manage all that but for me I needed the biggest form of support I guess was me to take personal responsibility um, and once I did that it's like okay I knew I needed to start disciplining myself and my mind in order to get through this stuff mm-hmm. so I started doing a lot of reading trying to understand what was going on and then following on from that it's like okay what works well and the biggest thing certainly from my case and speak and when I do the research PTSD sufferers is you've got to get physical, do lots and lots of physical exercise, get on a punching bag, whatever, you've got to get physical, Um, meditation, um, I changed my eating habits, all that part of it changed everything for me. So the support, whilst you need the support from professionals, absolutely, you need to support from family, absolutely, but I think part of that is the self-responsibility and then I had mentors and coaches that I would go and speak to and say, hey, I need your help. And they say, okay, let's work through the issue. So um, when they were helping me, because they, they'd not gone through the crap I was going through, they did their best. And that's why, I, and that's when I started noticing, well, hang on, I can't see many mental health co- or coaches. That- yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. As I said, um, because they were supportive, the coaches and mentors, but they hadn't gone through the mental illness. They, there was no empathy there because they hadn't walked that path. And that's when I thought, hang on, I don't know many other coaches who have. There may be out there, but I, I think from my point of view, it's missing. So that's when I decided to go down this path because I've been there. Um, and that's when you're talking to men. It's You know, you can see it in their eyes and, and you, 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 you'd be upfront with them and say, and tell them what needs to be said, but you do it in a way because you're coming from that same place that they're, that they're now at. And that I think that helps build the trust and rapport a lot better as well between us. So definitely the support mechanisms is get the professional counselling, your family, um, coaching, therapy, whatever the case may be, but you also have to take personal responsibility as well. I'm a big, a big advocate on that. Um, and so... Do what you need to do. And if you don't know, ask questions. Go find out. Mm, mm. I, I do feel like um, like the field that you're going into, I, I did a research project last year and uh, there was a men um, are just so poorly affected by, um, 
yeah, in Australia especially, I think I read the statistics of 70% of tradesmen are more likely to um, attempt suicide. So yeah. you're in you're in the space that is like clearly there is a need for this, and um, we need more people like yourself doing like helping men out, and 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 it's also about being feeling okay with being vulnerable too, because I do feel like men often don't feel like they can be vulnerable. And the thing is with men, um, and so my personal experience, and when you look look at other men you feel like you're less of a man um, as a result of that and there's the shame and the guilt in that that plays a huge part and so it's like no nah, okay I'm going to bottle things up and I'm going to be stoic but you can't hold it it's sooner or later the damn walls are going to bust it's as simple as that so that's why I think you know I had no intention to go down this path mm. uh, I had no intention of publishing any manuscript or releasing the system to anybody, none in any way, shape or form. I was just happy doing my thing. Um, but, you know, life kind of pulled me in that direction. And, you know, you know, I, when I wrote the manuscript, I did it to get some closure and it was very cathartic for me. And when I took, I, I gave it to Paul, I said, can you read this? I want to make sure it's accurate. That was my only concern. Just make sure it's accurate. And he read it and came back and said, yeah, look, Everything is as you've described. I had to take out stuff because it was too triggering, so that's fine. Um, and and then he said to me afterwards, he said, do you plan on publishing this? And I looked at him as if he came from Mars. What the hell are you talking about? No, I'm a private, you know, private guy by nature. And he said, well, it'll help people. Um, and he actually wrote an endorsement for it. Uh, but I, So the manuscript laid dormant for two, over two years. And it wasn't until mid last year, I was back in hospital to fix, you know, for more surgery to fix a problem. And I was talking to a male nurse who was looking after me that night. And he just started opening up to me about stuff. And then I told him about, a little bit about me and about the system and all the manuscript. And he said, publish it. I thought, and it just wouldn't leave me. And I, so I, I remember, I rang my publisher, oh, the publisher, and I said, look, I've written this manuscript. I'm not sure that I want to publish it. Just, I'm going to send it to you. If you think it's crap, you can't offend me. Just tell me it's crap, and then I can just put it out of my mind, and I can just get on with living. So he said, all right, no worries. He came back to me, and after they finished reading, and they said, this is one of the most powerful and inspiring stories we have ever, ever read. And I thought, oh, Okay, yeah. so I went down that path and here we are. And yeah, with publishing the book, it's nearly ready. So next few months, it's ready to go. That's awesome. There's a heal. There's a healing in um, create. There's a there is a healing element to being able to create something, because not only does it heal you, it heals other people. And, and that's the thing. Yeah, you don't realize who is, you're going to help with this. Um, and as I said to, to the publisher, if I only help one person, I'll be happy with that. And there's a gentleman um, who I've connected with on LinkedIn. He he went through, he was undiagnosed for over 40 years. He went to Vietnam. He lost everything. I mean, literally everything. And I wrote, I told him about the book and I said, look, if I help one person, and he said, Adam, you will not be satisfied helping with one person. You've got to keep going with this. Mm. So here I am. 
Yeah, and who 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 are you not to um to release it? You know, like I think that's yeah. the imposter syndrome surrounding it that can really get you a bit stuck. I mean, I know exactly what that feels like when I first sure. wrote my book, and I was like, oh god, I remember, and I joined a writers group and everything, and um I thought, oh god, no one's going to want to read my book or whatever. And then the other day, I got a exactly. royalty check, and I was like, I got a royalty check, yeah, you know, like. But the, all writers and people that are creative by nature, I think we're all creative by nature. We do have that like, oh, who am I to write a book or who am I? I um, worked with a nurse once who she did amazing paintings, like amazing paintings. And she's like, you know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit done with nursing. So she went off and did a fine arts degree and now she's an artist. So, you know, it's that initial like, oh, who am I to do this? But who are you not to do this? It's great. Like it's because it can, there's so much beauty in creation, I feel like. It's just, yeah, it's really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So what has been the biggest uh, growth or life lesson that you've, you've that, that's come out of it all? Um, certainly that you're stronger than you think. Um, and that's why I, I spoke earlier about having that power within. Um, it's there. You just have to surrender in order to experience it and when you experience it it's like wow this thing is far more powerful than i even thought it could possibly be it's there it's solid it's unmovable it will help you it will guide you it will provide a foundation of support and strength for you to take you through the toughest of times it's there but you've got to let go in order to experience it and when you get there it's like where's this been all the life and, and the thing is the thing is it's always been there yeah, it's always yeah. been there. You just need to let go. Surrender. So, yeah, surrender is a massive thing, and I think maybe I'm feeling that within our culture, within Australian culture, we're all a bunch of massive control freaks. I feel like because it's because we haven't been taught to learn how to surrender to our feelings and to, to surrender and just let things happen. So exactly. yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so we're heading into the ending part of it. Um, oh, yeah, your favourite form of self-care. There's, there's a couple of things I enjoy doing. Um, obviously, using the system each day, that's a form of self-care. It's the discipline, the structure, the purpose, the accountability, the boundaries, and which leads to the results I want. That's strong for me. That's, like, really, really important. I also love being in nature. It's, I find that really therapeutic, and I love being by myself. Um, for me, I, I, I guess for a lot of men who certainly have PTSD or struggling in some way, they need their me time. I need my me time still. So um, as well as you know, journaling, I've, you know, I've been doing journaling for a long time. It's very therapeutic. And obviously gratitude, you know, that's something that it takes a while. <laughs> Trust me, it takes a while. But start looking for the little things to be grateful for. It could be something simple. But start looking every day. And before I go to sleep every night, I have what are the three most important things that I'm grateful for today? Just three. And I, I, I and I've really said, I can't, I was ABC. They're the three. Ah, and move forward. And you just feel, you feel more at peace when you start looking for things to be grateful for. But as I said earlier, before you get to that, deal with your shit. Yeah. Inner peace, inner peace cannot be bought. Um, but it can be cultivated and exactly every day you can create you need to do it yeah it's yeah and you need to do that 
it's important for everybody. And I, th- I feel it's important even to teach our kids the same thing. So um, your favourite inspirational quote, do you have one? Oh, that's an easy one. Um, it's by Sir Winston Churchill. And it's simply this, courage is rightly esteemed to be the first of human qualities because it is the quality which guarantees all the others. It is so oh. true. It, it is the, it's the entire all-in system is built on a foundation of courage. Everything you will ever do in your life, you've got courage, you've got this. Okay. It's my go-to. It's my strength. It's it's my the one virtue that I know that will get me through any period or any tough time I'm going through. It's just something within you. And mm. it's, it's and courage is the be-all and end-all for me every single time without a doubt. Yep, I agree. Courage, courage is what gets you through pretty much anything, I think. You know, having the courage to to chase your dreams and having the courage to face everything. Yeah, it's massive. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So your and do you have any um, a favourite podcast or book that you've, like a long yeah. line that, you, that, that yeah. was, was really helpful? There are, there are actually a few that I'd, I'm a big fan of Jocko Willink. Now, um, Jocko Willink was an ex-Navy SEAL. He wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. If you've seen the movie American Sniper, which is Chris Kyle's story, Jocko Willink was one of his commanding officers. So, yeah, he he's very big on accountability and leadership, and I listen to his podcast, I read his stuff. He's a go-to all the time. Um, Og Mandino, um, love Og Mandino. Um, Norman Vincent Peale was yeah, the first one for me. Bob Proctor, who's actually a mentor, was a mentor of mine for a number of years. So... Anything along those lines where I can just listen to and keep listening to, keep rereading because you get gems every time you go through it, second, third, fourth, fifth time. You just keep getting the gems because you find that your awareness is expanding. So they're my favourites without a doubt. Yeah, I haven't heard of any of those ones. <laughs> Norman Vincent yeah. Peel and Bob, Bob Proctor I've definitely heard of. Um, yeah. Yeah, Og, Og Mandino yeah. and Jocko Willink. Yeah. Oh, who was the other one I saw on YouTube? Oh, oh, David Goggins. Have you heard of him? Oh, Goggins, yeah. Well, yeah, he and, and, and Jocko Willing uh, do podcasts together. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, so, yeah. So, but, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely well worth it. Okay. Um, and what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? So the you of today, what piece of advice would you give to the, the, the little Adam? Forgive and let go of the need for revenge. Mm. That was my life and it destroyed me. It destroyed a lot of things. And as I said, I still live with the consequences and scars of it. Let it go. Just let it go. Forgive and let go for the need for revenge because all you're doing is hurting yourself. Yeah. Carrying around another person's pain only makes your life worse it's yeah you can't do it you can't do it it's not that's not what we're here for <laughs> exactly exactly um, your favorite uh, these these last two are my favorite so your favorite yeah. uh, food right now i've gone plant-based i've been plant-based for about coming on 12 months now so pretty well i will eat fish um but i generally pretty well plant-based plant-based rather it's made a huge difference it's like a cleansing of the entire system you feel unclogged um, as an analogy, it's like you know, when you get your car tuned, you feel your body just runs so much better. You've got so much more alert. Um, it's improved my health, my, vi- my vitality, well-being 
a big, huge plant-based mountain. Uh, I'm happy with plant-based. So anything plant-based um, is where I go. Um, but I, as I said, I like fish. I like seafood, so I will eat that. But I do miss the ribs. I do miss pork ribs. I do miss that, but I kind of think my health's more important. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm, I've actually been quite similar myself in the last year. I've gone more towards you know plant-based but i still eat a little bit of meat here and there but it's very sporadic and but i i love seafood prawns oh my god oh, <laughs> you definitely. can pork ribs <laughs> um your favorite piece of music or art or any sort of artist so do you do you listen yeah. to music or yeah um on my playlist i do i listen to a lot of um the podcast kind of people um in the personal development field but when that's off um I like listening to various artists like Coldplay, Cold Chisel, Jimmy Barnes, Akadaka, Swedish South Mafia, Bon Jovi. Oh, I love listening to Bon Jovi. Um, all of them I go to is for me on a regular basis. Um, my favourite song is by Irene Cara. It's called What a Feeling, which is a theme song from Flashdance for all those years ago. Something about that song has always just, the lyrics in particular have always resonated with me. It's like a reassurance that everything's going to be okay and I'm going to have my moment in the sun. But there's something about that song. It's You hear it's like, oh, wow, every time, even to this day, yeah. I, I found a song the other day by Kesha called Praying. Praying. And you should you should listen to it. But if I, I feel like kind of what you're saying, it's kind of how I see myself too. Like you just, you know that you're going to always be okay at the end of yeah. the day. What a feeling. Like Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so that's it. Thank you very much for sharing your story of healing. It's been really awesome to um, see that, you know, you can come out of the darkness and yeah. you don't have to stay in there and um, and you can find a way out. But self-responsibility, I think that's just been the key thing with every interview that I've done. Everybody has said the same thing. It's consistent. Self-responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, and, um, yeah. Thank you, Christy. It's been certainly enlightening. Um, yeah, got a bit emotional there, which was caught me by surprise, I'll be honest. Um, but look, I'm human. It is what it is. You're human. And and in fact, I, I I think it's great that, like, you felt comfortable enough, well, obviously, <laughs> that you um, that you could be vulnerable. So it was great. Um, I know how hard it can be for most people to be vulnerable and stuff. So it was good. It's very brave of you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, so look, if it helps just one person, I've done my job. It's as simple as that. That's the way I see it. I'm sure you'll help more than one piece, person, for sure. That's for the sure. plan. That's the plan. Yeah. But, um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, you get to the end of your life, you kind of think, you know what, I'm glad I made a difference in a small, small but meaningful way. That, that's all I'd be happy with. Mm. I agree. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Chrissy. I appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you.